0: Father, as we open your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds to receive from the word of God. Teach us this morning. Wherever we are in our faith or even our lack of faith, will you speak to us? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. The year was 1973, April 3rd, Martin Cooper was standing in New York City on 6th Avenue right near the Hilton Hotel. And he did something on that day that has forever changed our lives. How many of you have a cell phone? Raise your hand. Everybody in the room, even my 12-year-old, has a cell phone. He made the first ever call on a cellular phone. Martin Cooper was head of communications for Motorola. And their competitor, Bell Labs, was focused on car phones, at which there were about 100,000 at that point. They believed that was the future. Martin Cooper and his team believed the cell phone should be an extension of the person, which, you know, if you look around today at everywhere... People standing in lines, people at restaurants, people driving their cars. They're all on cell phones. They are an extension of the person at this point. But you couldn't have that if it were a car phone. So instead of working on the car phone, they went for the cellular phone. And on that day, he was holding a cellular phone, which was nothing like what we have today. So I have a pretty big one. I've got one of the iPhone Maxes and I have a hard time fitting it into my front pocket. However, this original phone weighed almost three pounds, and it was the size of a brick. You would need, like, clown pants or something to put that in your pocket. Huge. But he made that first phone call, and he called his colleague at Bell Labs, and he said, I'm calling you, from a cell phone, a real cell phone. (laughs) That call, that phone, has changed everything. This morning and 2,000 years ago on Easter morning, God wanted to communicate something. And this morning, I just want us to hear, what is it? that God wanted to communicate to his people. Go ahead and open up a Bible. We're on Matthew 28. You'll find them in the pews if you don't have one. Um, It's on page 1422, Matthew chapter 28. What is it that God wanted us to know on Easter morning? Matthew 28 and verse 1, page 1422 in those Black Pew Bibles. This picks up right after our gospel reading. We know they were worried. We know they posted guards, and now it's come to the morning. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. So they had started the preparations for the body. But because the Sabbath came, they couldn't finish. So now they are going to the body in order to finish what they started. Verse 2, there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. What was God trying to say? But I have a different question. And you don't have to yell at an answer. It's just kind of in your own mind. Why was the stone rolled away? You know, one of the songs we sang actually talks about the stone being rolled away. In fact, lots of worship songs have that line about the stone being rolled away. Why was the stone rolled away? And I think for many people, the obvious answer is so that Jesus could come out of it. (laughs) Um, I mean, why else would you roll the stone away? But I would make a very strong argument that the stone didn't need to be rolled away for Jesus to leave the tomb. So there's another account where the disciples are behind locked doors... They're frightened and scared and trying to keep away from everybody. And Jesus appears among them. That the point of rolling the stone away was not because if it didn't happen, Jesus would have resurrected and then been stuck in the tomb. It was to show the women that he was gone. And that's what happens in the text The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He He, is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Here's why I make that point. I think the thing God wanted to communicate to the women and then to the disciples above everything else is that Jesus actually rose from the dead. This is not a story story it's not just a figment, it's not just nice words, but that he goes out of his way with an angel to announce it, with the stone to be moved so you could walk in and go, look, he's not here. That what God wanted them to know is that a man actually rose from the dead. And I'm speaking to a room that is primarily filled with people who say they believe in Jesus, I wonder how much we actually believe that he rose. That that is a reality. And I say that because it's kind of crazy. How many other people do you know that have risen from the dead? That's not a normal occurrence. That sounds more fantastical than anything else. And yet sometimes the craziest things can actually be true. How many of you like to go fast? Whether it's on a bike or a car, a motorcycle, how many of you like to go fast? There's a few going, no. Most are like, yes. (laughs) Love going fast. Um, I know that when you are driving on 74, you like to go fast because the speed limit seems to be nothing more than a suggestion to the people driving there. So I want you to imagine that you're driving on 74, and you're doing the speed limit of 80, like most people do. And as you're going 80, you notice in your mirror, somebody's coming up on you. So have you ever been driving 80, and somebody's kind of zoomed by you? And you've thought, what are you going, like 90, 95? My goodness. Well, I want you to imagine that the person passing you is going so fast that you hardly can see them go by. Except for one moment, it's like a movie and everything slows down. And you get to look to your side and you see the speedometer for the person. They're going 183 miles an hour. But that's not what freaks you out. What freaks you out is that they're on a bicycle. Really? Let me just. They're on a bicycle. They are riding a bike on 74, doing 183 miles an hour. You all think I'm joking. I'm not. Denise Mueller broke the record for the fastest speed ever on a bicycle on September 18, 2018 in Utah. She rode a bicycle 100 and 83 miles an hour. She shattered not only the women's record, but the men's record to the point, because the men's record before that was in the 160s. They went so fast that afterwards she said, I don't think that was meant to be possible. The Guinness Book of World Records was talking about getting rid of the gender qualification because she just shattered it. 183 miles an hour on a bicycle. Does that seem unbelievable to you? I mean, it should. Have you ever ridden a bicycle? I bet you couldn't get to 20 miles an hour. But it happened. Part of the reason that you think it's crazy, number one, you can't do it. Number two, no one else has ever done it before and they haven't done it since. Number three, You aren't factoring in the whole story. Now, what she did, you can take nothing away from it because the record she broke had been held for 20 years. So what she did is just incredible. But in order to do that, this is what they do. They hook her bike up to a drag car, a dragster, that has a windshield on the back part. Her bike is attached to this thing. That gets her up to about 100 miles an hour. From that point, she unlatches. She is wearing Kevlar for her outfit. They unlatch. She stays within that windshield, and then she has to pedal her way up the rest of the way. It took between mile four and five, it was almost three miles of her cranking to get up to 183 miles an hour. But it actually happened. It's a real thing. You can go watch it on YouTube. You can read it in the Guinness Book of World Records. It is real, no matter how fantastical or weird it sounds. I want you to think about this. Jesus had no sin in his life. He never once sinned. The only reason that death exists is because of sin. And... And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to think about this. How many of you believe God exists? How many of you believe that the reason something is here, and I don't care if you believe in creation, evolution, or something else, but just the fact that something is here is here because there is something outside of our natural order. If those two things are true, Why is it that we can't believe that the reality is Jesus really rose from the dead? Even the story itself. There are so many details about this story. Number one, they know where the tomb is. It was a rich man's tomb. Anyone could have gone and seen it and looked for it. Number two, nobody ever produces this body other than the people who say he was risen and saw him. Number three, as far as we know, every single disciple died for their faith. Not a single one of them ever just went, wait a minute, I can save my life by just saying this didn't happen. Never. And one of the crazy things about the story, we see only women in this story. In the first century, women were second-class citizens. They rarely had a right to testify to anything. They would not have been the people you would have made up to be the first missionaries, the first preachers, the first to accept this in faith. And on the opposite side, the men who would lead the church, they don't believe, they're hiding scared. This is not a story you make up. He rose from the dead. If we don't get that, the rest of it doesn't matter. The rest of Christianity doesn't matter. Because his rising has to be a reality. Here's why. So if you have kids, or if you were a kid at one point, that should cover everybody in the room, I think. When you got a boo-boo, what did your mom do? She kissed it, and somehow that made it better, right? That is psychosomatic. We know that, and I know that for two reasons. Number one, I have an autistic child who doesn't follow that. His brain won't let him do that. What happens to him is he hurts his finger, and then he says, Dada, kiss it, and I kiss it, and he goes, no, Dada, kiss it. No, no, Dada, kiss it. No, no, Dada, kiss it. He'll just keep saying it. Why? Because it's not making it better. Mom's kiss can't fix a broken bone. They can't heal a wound. The same is true about the resurrection. If it is nothing more than an inspiring story, it will not accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. Here's what God wanted us to know. He rose. He came back to life. And it matters because of what happens with these women. Go back in the text. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Fear is all throughout this passage. The guards feel it. The women feel it. We're going to keep reading. They're going to have it again. Do not be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then, go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. Therefore, you will, there you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, but something's changed, yet filled with joy. That was not there before. And ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. And then Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Here's why it matters so much, or at least one reason why it matters so much. If Jesus rose from the dead, we do not have to fear life in the same way we did before that. It changes everything if he rose. Here's what happens in the scene. I want you to imagine it for a moment. Imagine you went to the tomb, but you were kind of a bystander watching. You look out on the scene. The stone has been rolled away. There's this glowing figure sitting on it. There are guards here, and they are petrified. There's also some women there. They are petrified. And yet, the man or the glowing figure sitting on the rock says to the women, because they have faith, They believe him. They've been following him. He says to them, he's risen. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to have the same fear they have. Because if he has conquered death, think about it. What is it that he can't conquer? If he's defeated death and sin and the devil, what is it that he can't conquer? See, for you women, if you believe this, you do not have to fear. This past Tuesday, you might remember the storms because they were pretty bad. I know Jody remembers them because a tree fell in her driveway. The storms were bad. During the storms, I was at an elementary school concert. And it was the most bizarre experience because the kids would start singing And that's what you would hear. And then when the song ended, you heard the sirens outside for the thunderstorms. And in the midst of one of the songs, it got so bad that the National Weather Service sent out an alarm that went off on people's cell phones. All across the crowd, they had to stop. It was such a weird dichotomy of this beautiful, like, children singing, and then this terrifying storm out here. And the principal comes out after that alarm. And she says to all of us, don't be afraid. We are watching all of this. The building we're in has no windows. And if things get too bad, we have a plan. We'll take everybody down to a place. We can get everybody in to a place that is safe. Don't be afraid. We have a plan And we have the ability to follow through with it. If Jesus rose from the dead, and later on at the end of Matthew, he will say this to his followers. If you're a follower of Christ, he will say this to you. I am with you until the end. He has a plan for your life. Do you ever struggle with your sin? Do you ever struggle with guilt? Do you ever get fear that God might be mad at you? You do not have to fear that. He conquered your sin. You are forgiven if you believe in him. Are you afraid of dying? You don't have to be. Not if you believe in him. Because if if he rose, there's an eternity. This isn't it. There is something more. This is the resurrection life that he's offering to us. That can impact every single thing you do. All of your relationships. So I am married. If I think this way, I'm married to a disciple of Jesus. Everything in my life. I have children that I'm raising to be disciples of Jesus. My job. It has an eternal perspective. This is not all there is. The way I'm doing my job, the reason I'm doing my job, it can be done in light of eternity. All my relationships, all of my finances, everything. If you believe he rose from the dead. That is what he's looking for. And my fear is this. So I read this story in a Sunday school class talking about Easter where the Sunday school teacher asked the kids, what is Easter? And one of the kids raised her hand and he called on her and Sarah said, Easter is when my aunts and my uncles come over to the house and we have turkey and we watch football and then we take naps. And she went, oh, no, 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 that, that's Thanksgiving. And then the little boy raised his hand and said, yeah, and Billy, what do you think? Billy goes, oh, well, Easter is when we decorate the tree and we get presents and we give them to everybody. She goes, oh, no, 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 that's Christmas. And then finally a the little girl raised her hand, said Emily, and Emily said, Easter is when Jesus, when we remember that Jesus hung on the cross and he died and they put him in the tomb. And the teacher kind of went, oh. And then Emily continued. And then we gather around the tomb, and we wait to see if he comes out. And if he sees his shadow, then we know there's six more months of winter. <laughs> the thing that I fear is not that any of us think that about Easter. But that sometimes our faith is all kind of mixed up it's mixed up in our emotions and our experiences and i know that some of you you've been seriously hurt by the church some of you've been hurt by other christians i mean that that is the reality of it we are broken fallen people and there are jerks in the church and all of it gets intermingled and we lose sight of jesus Jesus is not those things. And what matters most in Christianity is that God so loved the world that he gave his son and his son came and conquered everything you and I have to fear. So that today, when we do have fear, we have a place to look. Today, when we do have fear, we can still have joy. But we have to believe. And that line that he said at the beginning, Martin Cooper, cell phones need to be an extension of people. Imagine if your faith were actually an extension of who you are. Your belief in the resurrection and the love of God for you was an extension of your life. That's what he's offering this morning. Let's pray. Father, I ask that the love you have for us would be felt right now by each and every person in this room. Whatever they have gone through, whatever they're feeling right now, whatever they struggle with, they would know you love them. And that what Jesus did, it matters and can change our lives. I pray we would know that forgiveness, acceptance, hope, and love. That we might know the life Jesus offers coming out of Easter. In Jesus' name, amen.